0: Today, we are finishing the Old Testament book of Amos. I encourage you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Amos. Remember, Amos is a prophet. And in your Old Testament, Bible teachers make a distinction between what they call the major prophets and the minor prophets. The minor prophets are not less important. It just means that they are short So the major prophets would be books like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Very long books. Minor prophets, the book of Amos. It's only nine chapters. So we are in the book of Amos bringing it to its conclusion today. Remember with me that there is a common theme in the book of Amos. That that ties the book together. And that theme is all about justice. Justice is important to God. When God's people take advantage of others, treat other peoples poorly, are not fair with other people, it offends God. And that's what Israel's been doing. So God raised up a prophet, a guy who's a sheep breeder. And called Amos to be his mouthpiece. And Amos came from Judah, the southern tribes of Israel, up to the north. And God called him to proclaim his message to his people. He told them to confront them about their sin of injustice. And through a series of sermons, Amos told the people... God's bringing discipline. God's going to discipline you because you've not been treating people fairly. And every time the people of Israel have ignored God. So much so that last week in chapter 8 verse 4 down through verse 14, God said, this is what will result because of you ignoring my messenger. You have been ignoring my words. You have been pushing my words away. First of all you are going to grieve. You are going to grieve because I am going to discipline you. And the second consequence of you pushing my word away. Is simply this. I am going silent. Think what it would be like not to have the encouragement Of being able to hear God's word. The direction of knowing God's word. Knowing that God is faithful. Knowing that God cares for you from his word. And God says. I'm going silent. Well in the very last movement of the book. One last time. Through his mouthpiece. The Lord is going to tell the people of Israel, my discipline is sure and you are not going to be able to escape it. It's inevitable. But we're also going to see what's so common in the prophets right at the end. God will give his people Israel some encouragement, a word of encouragement. That he is faithful. And even in discipline, God is always faithful to his promises. God always does what he says he will do. God always does what he says he will do. I'm going to read chapter nine. You can follow along in your copy of the Bible and look at first for God's word to Israel that his, he is going to discipline them. They can't escape it. But then look for his encouragement at the end of the book, his encouragement that he's going to do what he's told them he will do, that he does have a future for them, a kingdom. I saw the Lord standing beside the altar and he said smite the capitals so that the thresholds will shake and break them on the heads of them all then I will slay the rest of them with the sword they will not have a fugitive who will flee or a refugee who will escape though they dig into Sheol from there my hand will take them and though they ascend to heaven from there will I bring them down. Though they hide on the summit of Carmel, I will search them out and take them from there. And though they conceal themselves from my sight on the floor of the sea, from there I will command the serpent and it will bite them. And though they go into captivity before their enemies, from there I will command the sword that it slay them. And I will set my eyes against them for evil and not for good. The Lord God of hosts The one who touches the land so that it melts. And all those who dwell in it mourn. And all of it rises up like the Nile. And subsides like the Nile of Egypt. The one who builds his upper chambers in the heavens. And has founded his vaulted dome over the earth. He who calls for the waters of the sea. And pours them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. Are you not the sons of Ethiopia to me? O sons of Israel declares the Lord. Have I not brought up Israel from the land of Egypt and the Philistines from Captor and the Arameans from Kerr? Behold the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful kingdom. And I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Nevertheless I will not totally destroy the house of Jacob declares the Lord for behold I'm commanding and I will shake the house of Israel among all nations as grain is shaken in a sieve but not a kernel will fall to the ground all the sinners of my people will die by the sword those who say the calamity will not overtake or confront us in that day I will raise up the fallen booth of David And wall up its breaches. I will also raise up its ruins. And rebuild it as in the days of old. That they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the nations who are called by my name. Declares the Lord who does this. Behold days are coming declares the Lord. When the plowman will overtake the reaper. And the treader of grapes. Him who sows seed. When the mountains will drip sweet wine. And all the hills will be dissolved. Also I will restore the captivity of my people Israel and they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. I will also put them on their land and they will not again be rooted out from their land which I have given them says the Lord your God. We see two major movements in this closing section of the prophet Amos. One is that believers cannot escape his discipline. And two, God always does what he says he will do. If you happen to watch 60 Minutes. Last Sunday night. You saw the account. The story of a skyscraper. In downtown San Francisco. Called Millennium Tower. Millennium Tower was built in 2008. It is 58 stories tall. And it is sinking. It is filled with luxury condominiums. Millions of dollars per condo. Famous people like Joe Montana lived there but it's sinking since it was built in 2008 it has sunk 17 inches and it's leaning to the northwest 14 inches the attorneys are having fun it's built on concrete pillars pylons that go down into the ground 60 to 90 feet but there's a problem bedrock Doesn't occur until 200 feet down. So somehow they've got to figure out a way. To get underneath that building. And go down 200 feet. To secure it. To find a firm foundation. To find bedrock. And as we look around us today. In our own nation. Around the world. The vast majority of people around us. Are searching. Are looking. For something solid in their lives. For something sure. For something that they can count on. And the truths of the prophet Amos are as true today as they were 2,750 years ago when this was written. And we find in the prophet Amos this truth. This sure foundation. This solid rock upon which we can base our lives. That God always does what he says he will do. And so we come to chapter nine. In verses one through 10, the prophet Amos one more time tells the people, discipline is coming and you cannot escape it. Those among God's people who continue to choose sin face inevitable Discipline. Notice with me verse one, we have a vision here of God. A picture. And it's a picture, a vision of God standing next to the temple. Standing next to Israel's quote unquote religious system. And it's corrupt. We know, we've seen already in the book that they've taken foreign gods and incorporated them into their worship. And they have actually accepted injustice. They, they're okay with the fact that their leadership are cheating the poor. Hurting people so that they can have financial gain. And so the Lord gives Amos this vision of the Lord standing next to the temple giving a command for the support pillars to be struck down here in this translation it's it's smite the capitals smite those support pillars so that when you push them down the entire temple will come down on top of the people and by the way if any of them aren't killed by the destruction of the temple The Lord will command that the rest of them be killed by the sword. Not one person will escape. You see in this picture, this vision. Once again, God is making it clear to the people of Israel. You will not be able to escape the discipline that I have promised to bring to you. He brings that home in verses 2-4. through He says... You can go to the lowest part of the earth to Sheol. I'll find you there. You can travel clear to the heavens. I'll find you there. You can go to a mountaintop. You could even go to the bottom of the sea. And I'll have one of these my sea creatures come and grab you. It doesn't make any difference where you go. Verse 4 says... That they could even be taken into captivity. In a foreign land. And God can still discipline them there. We cannot escape his discipline. In fact we find in verses 5 through 6. Why? Why can't God's people get away from his discipline? Because he has the authority. And the power to carry it out. Look at verse 5. The Lord God of hosts. The Lord who has all of the heavenly armies at his disposal. The Lord God of hosts, the one who touches the land so that it melts and all those who dwell in it mourn and all of it rises up like the Nile and subsides like the Nile of Egypt. The one who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and has founded his vaulted dome over the earth. He who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. He's the one that controls the universe. He's the one that takes the waters of the oceans and turns them into the rain of the skies. He's the creator of the universe. He's the Lord of the angelic armies. He is God Himself. He has the authority and the power to do what He says He will do. He said that He's going to discipline you, and by the way, you're not going to escape it. Verses 7 through 10. Are like a hinge between verses 1 through 6 and verses 11 through 14. They bridge us from discipline, a message of sure discipline, to hope. They begin again by accentuating this message of discipline. You see, Israel's out there thinking, hey, we're pretty special. We are God's chosen people he's not really going to discipline us because we're special he chose us and the Lord says to them in verse 7 are you not as the sons of Ethiopia to me sons of Israel have I not brought up Israel from the land of Egypt and the Philistines from Caper and the Arameans from Ker you see what the Lord is saying is this I have authority over all the nations including you And just because you are my chosen people does not mean that you are exempt from discipline. Just because I chose you as my special possession does not mean that you can just get away with anything that you want to do. Because I control all nations. And in my mind, you are no different than this nation over here. If you disobey me, I'm going to discipline you. Yet, at the end of verse 8, the hinge. Just a little glimpse of hope. Nevertheless, I will not totally destroy the house of Jacob. There will be some who will listen to the Lord's message. There will be some who won't take the attitude, well... Everybody in Israel thinks this is okay. So I'm going to just keep on doing it. There will be some. Who actually turn from their sin. And seek after God. And God says. I won't totally destroy the house of Jacob. He compares it to a sieve. And all the chaff and the sticks are going to fall through. But those who seek after him will be captured. They'll be saved. They're not going to fall to the ground with the rest of the chaff. But for those who choose to continue in their sin. Verse 10 says. All the sinners of my people will die by the sword. Those who say the calamity will not overtake or confront us. You see, those among God's people who choose to continue in sin face inevitable discipline. About three weeks ago, Barbara and I took a little day trip. We like to take day trips and we decided to go to Davenport, Iowa. You know, the thriving hot spot of Davenport. Well, that day they had a farmer's market. And there was a guy set up with the, at the farmer's market with peppers. All different kinds of peppers. He even had ghost peppers. Now, those of you who consider yourselves to be pepper aficionados know that the heat of a pepper is measured by Scoville Heat Units SHU a jalapeno would be about 400,000 to 500,000 SHU but a ghost pepper would be over a million SHU there is even a pepper called a Carolina Reaper that is 2,000,000 200,000 SHU. Now if I would have gone to the pepper man. And said hey do you give free samples. Um, Can I have maybe three of those Carolina Reapers. I just want to make sure they taste good. And if I just want to just pop them in my mouth. And just eat them. I'm guessing that it, it might be a little hot. You know what the pepper salesman would have told me. Hot. Is inevitable. You eat the peppers. You are going to experience. The heat. And time after time. After time. God has told Israel. I am going to discipline you. You need to turn away. From hurting people. And taking advantage of people. And come back to me. And they keep saying. Nope. 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 And now the Lord is saying, discipline is inevitable. You ate the peppers, now you're going to experience the heat. One of the things that's important for us as we look at a passage like Amos 9 is to remember that just as is true of Amos 2,750 years ago is true today. God still disciplines His people. God said in verses two through four, you can't escape it. And we find the New Testament affirming that truth, that God still will discipline His people. You know, sometimes it's easy for us as Christians to almost say, we may don't want, maybe don't want to say it very loud in our thinking. But it's easy for us to say well I'm just going to go ahead and sin and then I'll just confess it later. Because God will forgive me. And then I'll just go ahead and sin again and then I'll just confess it later because God will forgive me. It's straight out of the book of Romans when the Apostle Paul said hey. Should I just continue in sin so that grace may abound? Should I just keep sinning so I can get more and more of God's grace? And Paul said, no way! May it never be! How shall you who died to sin still live in it? You've been freed from your bondage to sin. You've experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. You know that Jesus Christ died on that cross for you and for me. How can we possibly... Feel good about knowingly trampling on his grace by willingly and knowingly sinning, just thinking that oh, I'll just confess it later. And what Amos is telling Israel, the Lord tells us in the New Testament as well, that if we continue on choosing to sin and not confess it, and turn from it God will discipline us the church in Corinth had some major problems we've referred to them before in this series and in 1 Corinthians 11 there's some verses that we often talk about during communion because that was the setting that Paul chose to confront them about what's going on in their church family and one of the things that was going on in the church in Corinth is that the believers there weren't caring for each other, very similar to Amos. There's divisions, they they weren't loving each other, they weren't forgiving each other, and some of the people who had a lot weren't sharing with those who had nothing. And so we read in 1 Corinthians 11 starting in verse 17 but in giving this instruction i do not praise you because you come together not for the better but for worse for in the first place when you come together as a church i hear that divisions exist among you and in part i believe it for there must also be factions among you so that those who are approved may become evident among you therefore when you meet together it's not to eat the lord's supper for in your eating each one takes his own supper first one's hungry another's drunk what do you not have houses in which to eat and drink or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing what shall I say to you shall I praise you in this I will not praise you and then he goes on down in verse 27 telling us that we cannot come to the Lord's table unworthily we can't come to the Lord's table celebrating the bond that we have with brothers and sisters in Christ through the cross of Christ And at the same time holding ill will toward our brother. Or having a factious heart. Or not caring for the needs of our brother or sister in Christ. And that's what the Corinthians were doing. And this is what Paul says happens as a result in the Corinthian church. For this reason, verse 30. Many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. God's disciplining you Corinthians. You're going through times you never thought you would go through. You're feeling vulnerable. You're feeling weak. Because God is disciplining you. Some of you are experiencing physical illness. Paul's not saying that all physical illness is God's discipline. But sometimes God uses illness to get our attention. And it says some of them sleep. Most likely because of what we see in chapter 5. That means they ex- actually experience premature death. As God's hand of discipline. You see God will still discipline us today. Amos's message to the people of Israel. Is just as important for us today. As it was for Israel then. God does not allow his children. To willfully continue sinning and sinning and sinning. Without him disciplining us. Now having made that point. Just as is so common in most of the prophets. Amos ends on a bright note. Because even in God's discipline. We can always find confidence in his faithfulness. Because God always does what He says He will do. And so we come to verses 11 through 15. And Amos goes clear back to the beginning of the Old Testament. And, and is so excited because he has confidence in God's promises. Israel, discipline's coming. It's painful, but we have a hope, we have a future, we have a firm foundation upon which we can base our lives. And that's God's words to us and God has promised that one day he will establish his kingdom on earth. And we will be his people. And a son of David will reign over us. And we will be at peace. And the land will be fruitful again. And we will remember clear back to 2 Samuel chapter 7. When God promised David that his descendant. One who would be called a son of God. The anointed one. Will sit on his throne forever and ever. And rule Over the land that God has given to his people. We know that anointed one. Hebrew equivalent. Messiah. The Greek equivalent. Christ. Is the person of Jesus Christ. And here. Amos looks forward to that kingdom. Looks forward to that day. And we find in verses 11 through 15. That the Davidic kingdom. Will be restored. Look at verse 11. In that day I will raise up the fallen booth of David. The house of David. This is the fulfillment of 2 Samuel 7. I'll wall up its breaches. I'll raise up its ruins. And rebuild it as in the days of old. That they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the nations who are called by my name declares the Lord who does this. Now that's exciting. Ever since God's plan, from all of eternity, he planned that Gentiles, the nations, would be included in his kingdom. Remember, clear back to Genesis chapter 12 verse 3. God had told Abram, hey, I want you to go to the land which I will show you. And I will bless you. And I will bless those who bless you. And in you... All the nations of the earth will experience blessing. And we see that promise continue to unfold. That God's eternal plan is for the nations to experience blessing through the seed of Abraham. We know that one to be the same one that 2 Samuel 7 calls the Messiah. The one that we know is the person of Jesus Christ. God's one and only son who will fulfill 2 Samuel 7. Who will fulfill these verses here in Amos chapter 9 verses 11 through 15. It's a, it'll be a time of great fruitfulness. Look at verses 13 and 14. Uh, Amos uses this, again, this word picture of, to talk just about how fruitful things will be. It'll be so fruitful that guys will still be trying to get their crop off when it's time to seed. Once in a while, I'm a hunter, I see that here in Iowa. There's some farmers that are so big I think they forgot that they had a field of corn over here. They don't get it off till spring. Here, things are gonna be so fruitful, they're gonna to have to work so hard, they're gonna barely get the crop off before it's time to put the new one in. The wine vat will be so full in this, in this picture, this hyperbolic language is that it's gonna drip over the sides and it's gonna make the ground, the earth is gonna be muddy just because of all the wine that will come out. The picture is that God will restore Israel's fruitfulness. They will be unified again And the nations will come. Verse 12. That they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name. This is a very interesting verse. Because if you go to Acts chapter 15, the early church had a big council. A big meeting in Jerusalem. To decide what should we do with these Gentiles who are becoming Christians. Should we require them to be circumcised. In a sense should we require them to become Israelites. James goes back and quotes these very verses. In Acts chapter 15 verses 15 through 18. James quotes these verses out of Amos chapter 9 verses 11 and 12. With this as his point. No we should not require them to become uh, circumcised. Because God's plan has always been for the nations to come to the kingdom. that For the nations to be part of the kingdom. If it's God's plan for Gentiles to be part of God's kingdom. They don't have to become Israelites. Therefore they don't have to be circumcised. Later look it up. Acts 15 verses 15 through 18. James uses the, verse 11 and 12 out of Amos 9 to make his argument. It's always been God's plan for the nations to be part of the kingdom. If you look at verse 15 it says I will also plant them on their land. They will not again be rooted out from their land which I have given them says the Lord your God. Genesis chapter 17 verse 8 says this. I will give to you and your descendants after you the land of your sojournings. All the land of Canaan. For an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. We know from Genesis chapter 15. That God promised. From the brook of Egypt to the great river. All of that land would be Israel's eternal possession. Here. We just read in Genesis 17. It's going to be their land forever. Now we find in Amos chapter 9. Verse 15, I'm going to plant them in their land. They will not again be rooted up from the land which I have given them, says the Lord. Your God. God always does what he says he will do. There's an important message for us here. Today, amongst evangelicalism, there is a school of theology called replacement theology that I believe is very dangerous. And in some churches, even churches like ours, there are pastors and teachers who are starting to espouse replacement theology saying that we should not look for a literal fulfillment of Old Testament promises to Israel because the church replaces Israel. The church is the one who brings fulfillment to these promises of the Old Testament. You know what the major problem with that is? It ends up saying that what God's word says in the Old Testament isn't really true. It's it's not really going to be Israel's land. That He was just talking figuratively. If we start saying that parts of God's word isn't true. Where do we stop? If we start saying that well God didn't really mean just specifically Israel. Why is it that a nation 15% the size of Iowa is at the center of our world news today? Why is it that this little insignificant Israel is the focus of the hatred of the world? It's because in God's plan... That little itty bitty people of Israel is at the center of what he's going to do. And Satan and all his forces want all of their power to keep that from happening. You know, it's always been God's plan for the nations to be part of this promised kingdom. I'm going to read a quick succession of verses, you can write them down, you may not have time to turn to them all, but verses that show that it's always been God, part of God's plan for the nations to be part of the kingdom. We already talked about uh, Genesis 12 verse 3, in Psalm chapter 2 verse 8, many of these verses are, are talking to the Messiah, they're talking to the suffering servant of Isaiah. Suffering servant of Isaiah. Psalm 2.8 Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance. And the very ends of the earth as your possession. Going to the book of Isaiah chapter 42 verse 6. We read this. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people. As a light to the nations. Chapter 49 of Isaiah. Verses 5 through 7. And now says the Lord. Who formed me from the womb. To be his servant. To bring Jacob back to him. So that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord. And my God is my strength. He says it's too small a thing. That you should be my servant. To raise up the tribes of Jacob. And to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations. So that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Also you can find that same theme in Isaiah 55 verse 5. I'm going to go clear to the end of our Bible. Showing this theme goes all the way from beginning to end. To the book of Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. And that great hymn to the person of Jesus Christ. In verse 9 it says they sang a new song saying worthy are you. To take the book and to break its seals for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Why do you think missions is so important to us here at Faith Bible Church? Because it's important to God. That God Wants the person of Jesus Christ. The Messiah. The one who is going to reign over this promised kingdom of Isaiah 9 verses 11 through 15. He wants the name of Jesus Christ to go to the remotest. Jungle of Papua New Guinea. To the largest cities of Japan and India. He wants the people of the entire world. To hear about Jesus Christ. So they can put their trust in him. And be part of the nations. Coming to the person of Jesus Christ. The Messiah. Who one day. Will be in his promised kingdom. But that does not replace. The truth That God has a future for his nation Israel. And all of those promises. That we find in the Old Testament. That I have a land for you. Here's the dimensions of that land. It's going to be yours forever. Those are going to happen. Why? Because God always does what he says he will do. Even discipline. I hope the book of Amos has encouraged all of us in our hearts to take a look. Am I being just with people? Am I treating my brothers and sisters in Christ rightly? If not, I need to confess that. Because if I continue in my sin, just as we've seen throughout the book. God says I'll discipline. And that's. 2,750 year old promise that's as good today as it was then. Because God always does what He says He will do. And we find in the end of the book that even in discipline, our bedrock hope is the truth of God, His promises. We do have a future. We've been grafted into God's plan. As a Gentile people. We have a standing before him. Through Jesus Christ. The Messiah. His promised son of David. Who loved you and me enough to die for us. If you're here today. And you don't know if you're right with God or not. One of our leaders, one of our elders, will be back in the prayer room immediately behind you. Feel free to stop back. They've got some material they'd love to give to you today. So that you could take out your own Bible and look up how you can know for sure you're right with God. Or maybe you're here and you just want to spend some time praying with one of our leaders here at Faith Bible Church. Please stop back at the prayer room. I've gone a little over. I'm just going to ask us to stand and I'm going to close us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are a God who always does what you say you will do. We thank you that we can have confidence in your promises. And we thank you and praise you that you love us enough that you will even bring discipline to us. When we choose to continue in our sin. As a loving father would discipline his child. Help us this week as we go through our week. To have soft hearts and ears willing to hear from your word. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.